The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. Open, open, your, 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 my, my, my. And we are back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for singing around. I know it's late, but boy, we we have a really, really exciting show lined up for everyone tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great. I'm honestly very excited. Tonight we have a, a really fascinating topic that we're going to be discussing, and it's quite controversial, really. And it's this issue of um, stem cell and stem cell research. Genevieve, without further ado, why don't you uh, introduce our guest for the evening? Tonight, as um, you've already said, we'll be talking to Dr. William C. Rader. He's an American psychiatrist who started off as an expert in eating disorders, earning his medical degree with honors from the State of University of New York, but then moving on to the research of stem cells, commencing the public battle against human stem cell research and treatment whilst undergoing his psychiatric fellowship at the University of Southern California Medical Center and acting as a psychiatrist for the Navy's alcoholism treatment program from 71 to 73. William C. Rader is the only American physician involved in the actual clinical application of human fetal stem cells. He's treated more than 1,500 patients. In 1995, he founded Stem Cell of America, note that, an international corporation dedicated to research and development of the clinical application of fetal stem cells. He currently serves as chairman of the board and chief scientist. The documentary The God Cells was released this year and is definitely a mind-blowing piece of media that should be shared, discussed and put out there as much as possible, opening up the mind of the public to the possibility of such curative aid is a huge step in this medical advancement and honestly uh, with that i have the incredible honor of welcoming dr raider onto the show dr raider can you hear us okay yes i can awesome thank you so much for being with us tonight to discuss really this fascinating controversial i mean we can go on and on i mean th this is some truly remarkable stuff that we're going to talk about tonight and this documentary the God cells it's getting a message across that i think most people have only heard one side of the argument i feel and that's why there is a lot of resistance from uh, so far the documentary was released just two months ago in june what has the reception been like what have you heard from the folks that have gotten a chance to watch it well, I'm kind of surprised because it's been very positive. I was expecting to hear some negative because we're talking about fetal stem cells. But the fetal stem cell is the most important stem cell, but it's not being used. I'm the only American using fetal stem cells, and it's being done through Stem Cell of America, and we do it in Tijuana, Mexico, because it's illegal here. But the difference between the fetal stem cell and any other stem cell is that the fetal stem cell has an immune privilege. And what that means is you can give any fetal stem cell to any person without matching, and there is no negative side effect, so you don't have to use, as they do when they do stem cell transplants, 
immunosuppressive drugs. Those are drugs that suppress your immune system. They actually do the opposite of what it is that you need. And to me, it's quite bizarre that no one is paying attention. The fetus is the size of your pinky fingernail, and it gets to be you. So can you imagine the power that it has? So there's so many diseases that the parent, for example, of a child is told there's nothing that can be done. Your child will never get better, and your child will perhaps die. And when we use stem cell, America uses the fetal stem cell, it turns things around. It has the ability, as opposed to any other stem cell, of being any of the 220 cell types of the body. And it goes around, it looks for damage, it either replaces that damaged cell or it stimulates the damaged cell to come back and be a normal cell. So it's it's like unbelievable what I'm saying, but yet it is quite believable. But what's unbelievable is that people don't pay attention. And as you were saying before, they have attitudes. Well, one of the things that the attitudes are about is the fact that it comes from an abortion. But we have nothing to do with the abortion. The woman's going to get the abortion anyway. And then she's asked whether the material will be thrown away as routine medical waste or used to help save a child or adult's life. If she says yes, then a very expensive and extensive testing process goes on in our laboratories. And then they're sent to what I consider one of the best laboratories in the world. It happens to be in Germany. Then they're placed in liquid nitrogen, the way they store sperm, for example. And they've been able to store sperm and keep them alive for 25 years. Then it's sent to the clinic, and right before the patient gets the cells, they're defrosted and brought back to life so that they're, again, alive the way that they were originally. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And what to me is the most amazing is that no one pays attention and no one believes it. Doctors don't believe what I just said. Even though there have been 4,000 approximately patients treated successfully and no negative side effects. That is mind-blowing because we see all the commercial, we see the advertising for you know, a lot of uh, pharmaceutical drugs and things that do have more side effects, it seems, than positive effects. You're exactly right. It's drugs, and drugs have more si negative side effects. If you pay attention the next time you're watching television and you listen to the advertisement for the drug, you might have a finger fungus or something under your nail, and they're talking about maybe it will kill you, or certainly destroy you in some kind of way. If you listen, they say all of that. And yet they say, well, but it's wonderful. It makes you happy. <laughs> right, right. And just from your practice, how many people get better compared to the people that, you know, maybe don't see all the benefits? Is there like a big discrepancy in that number? Well, it's about 90% of the patients do improve, but it depends on the individual patient. And what do we mean by improvement? But there's no negative only a positive. And about 90% of the patients have a positive reaction, some phenomenal positive reactions. And again, it's not known. And even when we try to, uh, at Stem Cell of America, tell people, and here it is, 4,000 patients getting better, most of them, 90% of them, how come you won't pay attention to this? Well, they don't believe it. 
They have their own belief systems, and they're not going to let anybody interfere with it. Speaking of belief systems, because obviously this is quite a controversial topic, especially with people in the religious right a lot of times. And case in point, for example, George W. Bush signed an executive order banning the use of federal funds for any Stelsim research because, as he claimed, because of his faith. Barack Obama, however, overturned that. And I want to quote President Obama because this is really interesting in light of what we're talking about. He says, and I quote, as a person of faith, I believe we are called to care for each other and work to ease human suffering. I believe we have been given the capacity and will to pursue this research and the humanity and conscience to do so responsibly. That's pretty groundbreaking. Uh, have you seen what President Obama say helped this cause any? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's certainly the opposite of what Bush did. Uh, one of the things that uh, we haven't mentioned yet is that we can expand these cells, and that helps lessen the negativity about abortion because one fetus can supply enough material to treat thousands of patients. So that attenuates or lessens the negativity about it. And the woman, as I said earlier, is going to have the abortion anyway. So this way, instead of throwing it away as routine medical waste, it's used. And if you saw the video, you see amazing things that have happened, things that don't happen in medicine. In the 20th century, drugs was the answer. And of course, there isn't a drug that doesn't have a negative side effect. Now we're going to be having cells like the fetal stem cell, which does not have any negative side effect whatsoever and is more positive in positive results. I'd like to know, you know, how do you implement a successful law that prevents women from being placed into a circumstance where they essentially be circumstantially forced into a creating and subsequently selling a fetus for necessary um, survival money. That would be totally ridiculous for someone to pay for this mm. when I told you that the material from one fetus can treat thousands of patients. So why would someone want to pay anything for anything? So there is more than enough material because there, there are hundreds of uh, abortions every year. And yeah. that means that we have thousands of uh, patients that can be treated. And what has the the reaction to your peers have been? Obviously, as we've mentioned, this is quite quite a controversial treatment still, even though I think that people are coming around or at least giving it the time to read up on both sides of the argument. So I was just wondering what kind of blowback or what kind of trouble, if you will, did you get into by pursuing this treatment? As a patient, you don't get into trouble at all. As a doctor, you can get into trouble. As a matter of fact, what the California Medical Board did was they revoked my license because of what I'm doing. And they even said, which is kind of catch-22, that if Dr. Rader is way ahead of himself and very successful, it doesn't matter because he's, what he's doing is not the standard of care. So that's, to me, catch-22. At that point, by the way, I they also wanted me to give the patients, or my staff, to give the patients immunosuppressive drugs, 
drugs to help prevent a reaction where there isn't a reaction, drugs that are dangerous. They suppress your immune system. So at that point, I turned in my license. I, I, I sent it to them and said, bless you, here you are. Well, they didn't like that. That wasn't enough. They wanted to punish me. So they sent it back and said, we will not accept this. And then they went ahead and they revoked it. So when you look me up in the uh, Internet, under the medical board, it says license revoked, which is a lot different than saying license surrendered. Mm. But they're very clear that they don't want this. It's going to cost them a lot of money. The, the pharmaceutical companies a lot of money. And it's something they don't know about. And every single doctor who's done something new, Pastora, the new cures that have come out in the last, let's say, 50 years uh, for polio and things like that, they all suffered the same, the doctors suffered the same problem, that they were rejected, they were they tried to stop them, and with some it took years before they could uh, give them what they're doing to a patient. It's interesting because, I mean, in my opinion, we're living in some uh, exciting times. There's a lot of change going on in the world. And it's funny because especially, you know, the younger generation is, is probably living in a completely different world than the people in the 60s were living. And what I mean by that is that, for example, now people are looking into uh, things like marijuana and how that can help uh, patients with certain things. And, you know, it's still illegal in certain states. Same thing with uh, certain uh, psychedelics. They're seeing that it has some benefits for people, but as long as it's administered in a, in a responsible way, I guess you can say. Do you think that embryonic stem cell will see its, its day where it won't be vilified so much? Yes, and it's not embryonic. It's fetal. An embryo it happens to be five days old. It has... Uh, outer layer of cells that's going to be the placenta and the inner layer will be the organ systems and that is totipotent which means it could be anything the embryo not the fetus it could even be something called a teratoma which is a benign tumor but they confuse that with a fetus a fetus is pluripotent which means it could be any of the 220 cells of the body, but it cannot cause a teratoma. So there's a lot of confusion going on there. And they put the embryo and the fetus in the same category. Embryo is five days old, no organ systems. Fetus is eight weeks, starting at eight weeks, and has organ systems. Obviously... In a lot of these um, subjects, you have the slippery slope arguments. Where do you draw the line of who really needs the treatment? You know, um, who's just doing it out of aesthetical vanity reasons or, you know, merely to prolong life rather than to maintain a normal good quality of life? I'm not drawing any lines. The mm -hmm. material is there. And if somebody is, uh, let's say, 80 or something and is having issues because of his age or her age and mm -hmm. looking for longevity, that uh, we go ahead at Stem Cell of America and give them the cells. But most commonly, it's really children with diseases that are not 
curable by modern methods, medical methods that we uh, see and we treat. For example, uh, lately, and you could see it if you saw that video, and I'm not talking about children now, talking about Parkinson's, that Parkinson's patients, is the, the cells are two types. One is the one I was talking about, that for, it could be any of the 120 cell, 220 cells of the body, and that's the pluripotent one. It's the immune cell. It's given intravenously. And the other one is the neuronal cell. And the fetus is the only one where you can get this neuronal cell that is taken from the brain of the fetus. And again, remember, these cells are going to be thrown away as routine medical waste. Someone once said to me, well, if that happens, then if there's some kind of spirit or soul or something, it's going to die as opposed to if it's now in somebody else and no reaction, and let's say it's a child with Down syndrome, believe it or not, that you can turn that around, that it's something that uh, uh, most people who understand that feel, well, then it's appropriate. We're not doing anything negative. We're not causing anything. We're not creating anything. We're not saying, oh, this is great. Have an abortion. By no means are we saying that. It's not necessary to have more material because we can grow it. One fetus, thousands of treatments. I mean, why would you want to do anything other than to let nature do its thing? And let it be known, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Oh, um, that's fine. How do you how do you stop the superstars of Hollywood? They're 35 years old. Oh. They they want to be beautiful. They want to be young forever. How do you stop them from just going over the top and just injecting themselves with stem cells over and over again for the rest of their lives? <laughs> well. That's not something that a person can actually do because uh -huh. there's a whole uh, method that has to be done. And the testing is the most important part and expensive part of the whole process. It's tested in our laboratories. Then it's sent to one of the best laboratories in the world, which happens to be in England for retesting. Excuse me, Germany for retesting. Mm -hmm. Then it's placed in the liquid nitrogen and sent to the treatment center. Uh, let me ask you this, because obviously, you know, I have family who, you know, are there good church going folks. And obviously this topic has a bad rap uh, with them, uh, so to speak. But have you encountered somebody that has shown up and told you, you know, Dr. Rader, my child or I am suffering from something. My faith comes into conflict. Have you had to? Oh, yes. People like that? This, this has happened. And, and uh, what they end up saying, well, uh I guess it's it, it's like an organ donation. Uh, you have nothing to do with it, and it's going to be, as I keep saying, thrown away or used. And when it's about their child, all of a sudden their attitude changes. Remember, we're not talking about having one fetus, one treatment. By no means are we talking about that. And I think that your family, if they really understood that and knew it, that they might have a change of attitude. I'm not saying that they would have a complete change or maybe they'd feel the same way. My whole agenda now is for people to have a choice. Mm. A parent is told now 
if their child has a particular illness, they're going to die. And there's nothing that can be done. We've done everything we can. And they don't know about the choice. And if they even read about it and then asked the doctor, consistently the doctor is going to say, oh, it's not here yet. We need to do double-blind studies. It will be here maybe in 10, 20 years. And then the parent hears that and gives up. The parent who stays with it, uh, like you see in the documentary, the parent who stays with it and their child lives, and not only that, can have a healthy life instead of having to be, the doctor may be referring them to an institution, and then they they uh, do not live in the institution, where if they stay at home, they'll, parents will 24-7 be taking care of them, and their their life will be longer, but not necessarily that they won't eventually die. A lot of the patients we see, the diseases, are eventually diseases that uh cause death or if you uh, if you look at the uh, uh, the telethon mm-hmm. with Jerry Lewis who's no longer on the telethon <laughs> that those kids end up in wheelchairs and then usually commonly die as a teenager and the patients that we treat uh end up playing tag and tagging the other kids right and yet it's impossible what i just said in fact, I had a meeting with Jerry Lewis, but that was after he's no longer associated. And even he, I mean, he thought it was fabulous. He thought that he, we were going to go to Washington, do this and the other. But then he got a lot of negative, I assume, because he didn't want to go forward with that plan. Mm. Do you feel, or at least from your experience, are the big pharmaceutical companies making this such a, a difficult research to undertake? A lot of people say that, well, you know, they're in it for profit. There's no profit in, in helping people get better. In your experience, is that the case? Are pharmaceutical companies making this research difficult and putting all these barriers up? You've said a lot of things that are right on. I don't know whether you've been reading or what. Yes, that's right on because you cannot patent it. That's a major problem. If you can't patent it, you're not going to make money. Secondarily, you're curing something. You don't make money on curing. You make money on developing something that someone has to take for the rest of their life. They're not, what, what do the, uh, stockholders, what do they want? It's all about money. That's what they're doing. And if you cure something, the profit line stops. If you come up with something that someone has to take for the rest of their life, it continues. And it's a business. It's a very profitable business. Yeah, and just to add to that, I mean, we just saw, I think it was a few months back, This uh, it was like a young entrepreneur or something who raised the price of like... Oh, yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, to 700%, right? So maybe if people... 700% (laughs) and he's keeping it that way and saying... It's a business. Right. It's unbelievable. This individual has to be a little weird because he's getting tremendous press about increasing something 700% 
where he was making a profit before he increased it. One of the things I know that makes people uneasy about this, and I, I know we, we have talked about it uh, a few minutes back, is the, the whole issue of where the, uh, the stem cells come from. Science is so far ahead nowadays. What other methods are out there to obtain these cells that maybe might help people feel a little bit more at ease with the, with the whole process? Well, the problem is that they're getting stem cells, but the stem cells they're getting are either from fat or umbilical cord or your own stem cells, and that they're able to get, but that's not as effective. Uh, it's the difference between a horse and buggy and a car, and a horse and buggy is better than walking, but a car is much better. So these cells that they do obtain from other sources do do good, but not at all the way the fetal stem cell does, and there is no neuronal cells. Uh, with an umbilical cord cell, they're not going to put a needle in the brain of the newborn, so they don't get the neuronal. So it's when they give that cell that they have, let's say to a Parkinson's patient, the, the changes, the positive changes are minimal compared to giving an neuronal cell that came from a fetus. Um, I have a question and I, <laughs> I do apologize for my type of question because... Uh, uh, let I, me I, stop you right there. Um, <laughs> I like that you did that because there are a lot of people thinking that and if you didn't say that, no one's going to say it and I can't answer it. So I think it's very good that you take that side. All right. Well, I am a student of philosophy, and I'd like to know if, firstly, is it possible to continuously inject yourself with stem cells to essentially keep on, you know, being youthful, at least to a certain extent? And secondly, should everyone be allowed to live this kind of prolonged life, if medically possible? Well, I think that's a very good question, but I have no more right answering that than you do or anybody else. Mm -hmm. That's their choice. Mm -hmm. It's not up to me to say that somebody should live beyond a certain age. Yeah. But certainly what happens with the fetal stem cell is that the people do live longer. But I'm not making the judgment that they should. I mean, there's a lot of negatives to that uh, in terms of society in general, what, what the costs are involved. And uh, if your population keeps increasing like that, then mm -hmm. that could be difficult. But that has nothing to do with me. I'm not making that judgment. And anyway, that's not my real interest. Yes, at Stem Cell of America, we do do that, but it's minimal. We mostly treat diseases and we mostly treat children with diseases that are supposedly untreatable. It, does the treatment seem to work better in children as opposed to adults because of their age and they're in that stage of development? You keep asking the great questions. Yes, of course, it's like anything else. Mm -hmm. Because when you're younger, you can tolerate things a lot differently. And also, you, how many, let's look at what percentage of six-year-olds have cancer? What percentage of 60-year-olds have cancer? And once again, that's not directly answering your question. But to treat a six-year-old is a lot more successful that treating a 60-year-old has all other kinds of issues. The six-year-old has a nice, strong immune system, 
this 60-year-old doesn't because the whole plan is for us to die and let the next generation come up. And one of the ways we do it, or we do it, the way nature does it, is there's something called a telomere, which is a protective arm at the end of your chromosome, which gets shorter and shorter as we get older. And that protective arm, as it gets shorter and shorter, is not allowing uh, an ability, ability to stop to fight off a disease or a toxin or an environmental thing. So you're more likely then to get sick and you're more likely to make room for the next generation. Right. I have another question. This is because there are other controversial movements out there. For example, the anti-vaccine movement, which has like Robert De Niro has spoken out against that. And a few other Hollywood celebrities have come out and, and spoken against, you know, vaccines. Is there a celebrity out there or somebody with cloud that has come out and say, hey, you know, this is something that, that deserves to, to be looked into? Well, that would be nice. It hasn't happened, but I have treated celebrities oh, wow. because they, too, are worried about the negative. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm not saying I'm against vaccines, but there are negatives to vaccines. I've seen the results, but I'm not telling people not to vaccinate their child, but never have a, a single case when uh, the parents sued uh, the pharmaceutical company, have have they won? And uh, we've had patients who were normal kids, had a vaccine, and I'm thinking of one particular mm-hmm. child, and then had five seizures a day, and then the mother said, I don't want the secondary uh, dose of the vaccine. The doctor said, oh, your child is going to die, and that's illegal, and da 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 So she went ahead and she did it, and the child had 300, 300 seizures a day. And there wasn't anything that medicine, modern medicine, could do to stop the seizures and then became a patient and the fetal stem cells stopped the seizures. Mm-hmm. So it's something to think about. I'm not against it. Uh, I think it's, it should be decided by a parent on an individual basis. Right. And that's, you know, your choice. But you should have a choice on things like that. You should know the negative. You should know the positive and then make the choice and not just have either a, a doctor telling you you have to do that with a vaccine or you shouldn't do that with a fetal stem cell. You look at the facts and you make up your mind. And that's a right that we have that we live in this country. And that is something that, as I said earlier, at this stage of what's going on, we've been doing this for 20 years, over 4,000 patients. But it's important, I think, that people have the facts, like what you saw the the documentary, and then fine. And if they decide they don't want the fetal stem cells, fine. But at least they know it exists. Right. What would you think if this this type of treatment became just as popular as Botox, injecting stem cells into your body and becoming a, a beautiful and youthful again? Well, I would say that it would be a difficult thing to occur because to deal with the cells, to test the cells, etc., it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's going to happen 
in that way, it may. I, I really don't know. All I keep saying the same thing. I'm not interested in that. I'm just interested. We have enough sick children. We have more than enough sick children mm -hmm. that we could use the cells to help them. We can actually literally cure leukemia. Can't do it in this country. Haven't able to do it in Eastern Europe. That the bottom line of why people die from leukemia, let's talk about children, is they can't find a match. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. So the child dies because they don't have a match or they find a match, but it's never really a perfect match. So they give them immunosuppressive drugs, mm -hmm. drugs to suppress their immune system. Well, that means they can get all other kinds of things that normally they would never get. And there is uh, a prejudice against the fetal stem cell, which I told you, remember, mm -hmm. that you can give any cell to anybody and you can grow them. So we basically have an unlimited supply and it's the, much better than your twin brother or something. So therefore, in essence, you have a cure. They won't allow me to do that. They won't believe it. I mean, we had doctors who have said, that you have to give immunosuppressive drugs, that, that this is not true. And, and you know, Sam Cell of America has presented to them, you, we have 4,000 patients. Choose as many as you want, mm -hmm. interview them on your own, and see. Look at their medical records and see. And would you, if you had, let's say, 50 patients that are going to die and none of them died, none of them needed immunosuppressive drugs, and they were all fine because now they have an immune system that's very powerful, much more powerful than any donor they can have, if they would change their mind in any way. And their answer was no. And that's like a shock. But no, they believe in what they believe in. So if you saw the documentary, you saw a doctor say, yeah. uh, in essence, they put blinders on you when you're in medical school, and anything outside of what they taught you is not true. I mean, it's really bizarre. Yeah. I know it's difficult to answer, but approximately how much would one session of this treatment cost? Well, it all depends, and I don't deal with that at all. Mm -hmm. We have people who are the ones who deal with it because I would give away the store. Uh, I do insist that 20% of the patients are treated for free. I shouldn't be saying this publicly because they're going to say, well, I want to be the 20%. But it's the children. It's the children uh, whose parents really can't afford it. Stem Cell America will go forward and, and treat the child anyway for free. Uh, so it really depends on the situation. Eventually, because I told you about the growing the cells, if we, you know, this is something that we're not being supported. We don't have millions of dollars. We don't have the influence. We don't have anything. But if that comes to pass, then it will be very cheap because you'll be able to have a lot of support and a lot of finances. But as I told you before, it's not something you can patent. So therefore, you're not going to make the kinds of billions of dollars that the pharmaceutical company makes on a particular drug. And even though that that drug is dangerous, even though there are certain drugs that are known before they're put on the market, 
to cause heart attacks, stroke, etc. This is a fact. You can look it up in the Internet that they put it on the market even though they knew it because they have somebody in the organization who comes out and talks about it, and nothing happens to these people. Mm-hmm. They don't go to jail, nothing. They just stop doing it, but nothing. And they knew it before. So the way that I look at it, they're actually murdering people because they know. And once again, they're not saying it in a way that you hear it. The, our, the irony is, next time you're watching television, as I said earlier, when they put a drug out there, listen carefully to what they say the side effects are. And you stop breathing, whatever. It's phenomenal, but people don't hear it. They don't hear it because then the ad goes on to say, and you're going to feel marvelous and you'll be breathing and play with your children, etc. They don't hear it, but it's there. What I wanted to ask you also was, obviously, you know, this this sounds really incredible. Say somebody wanted to try this. What is the process? I mean, what can people expect? Are they going like under the knife or what? How? No, no, it's nothing like that. First of all, you can look in the Internet on the stem cell of America, singular stem cell of America dot com. There's a telephone number three one zero four five five. Five three zero zero. The process takes less, that's the irony of this, less than an hour. It's just a simple intravenous and some cells under the skin. The ones under the skin are the neuronal cells, which are picked up by the lymphatics, cross the fat-soluble blood-brain barrier, and get into the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, and do their thing. Um, It's a very simple procedure. That's the irony, too. For example, we've treated intractable epilepsy, which means that there's nothing that modern medicine can do to stop the seizures. And the latest thing that modern medicine is doing and very excited about is if the seizures are on half the brain, sometimes they are, rather than the whole brain, they actually take out half the child's brain, literally. And they're the hero. It's a very difficult operation. Takes many, many hours and a lot of talent. And they tell the parents, well, the kid's very smart, so they're really not going to lose that much. And everybody knows, well, sometimes things switch to the other side of the brain, etc. But as compared to an hour of benign treatment, they're going to take out half the brain, but the parent of that child doesn't know about what we're doing at Stem Cell of America. It doesn't know that there's a choice. So it thinks it's, you know, at least my child stops seizing, so they're breathing, and they're not stopping breathing and getting brain damage. I mean, it's, it's so bizarre that it, it sounds impossible, but go look it up in the Internet, and you'll see, yeah, that's, that's the most modern treatment if you have intractable epilepsy on one half of the brain. They are taking out half your brain. Especially, of course, children, and they say, oh, don't worry about it. It's a child. It's a different situation. It's totally bizarre, at least to me. It is. I mean, this seems like it's the answer to a lot of people's illnesses. That being said, 
Do you think, I mean, in your opinion, it's not my intention to ask you a loaded question, but in your opinion, should this be a last resort or should this be the first thing that people may want to try? In my opinion, it, it is what is the treatment? What are they doing normally in modern medicine? And does it work? Mm. And the thing is for the parent to make up their mind or the patient to make up their mind. Give them the information. Tape this program. Hand them the tape. Let them hear this and then make up their mind. Right now they don't have a, a choice. And, of course, the parent of that child that I was describing, mm -hmm. that they took out half his brain, <laughs> I think they would make the choice of a fetal stem cell. In some other situation, maybe they would make a choice of taking a particular medication. I don't know, but at least have the choice. Right. One of the first thoughts I had um, when watching your documentary was, what if someone like Stephen Hawking took this, you know, the stem cell treatment? Would it work on someone who was a little bit more aged and um, what would happen? Uh, he is a walking miracle. I mean, it's amazing. But in my opinion, if he would take the treatment that he would, you know, it's amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. If he were to do it, he would improve. He wouldn't be normal, in my opinion, because he's so far gone. But it's yeah. amazing he's been alive all this time. Yeah. So he would improve. But uh, I have no way of getting a hold of him when I try to get a, a hold of people like Michael J. Fox <laughs> and like l allowing him to see what you saw. The doctors keep him away from me. Wow. They're not interested necessarily in him getting better. They have institutes that have millions of dollars and their star and you fill in the second word, and they wouldn't be anymore. And they also, a number of them know who I am and know what the possibilities are. Mm -hmm. In terms of what I haven't said, is you really don't need a bone marrow register anymore. There isn't any match that compares with a fetal stem cell. So you just don't need it. And it's very expensive, by the way. It literally, it's about a billion dollars a year around the world wow. collecting and doing all of that. I went to New York and met with somebody who started bone marrow transplant and, and registries. And I expected that they would greet me with open arms. The opposite. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. Well, why? You can only guess. Mm -hmm. But they would be out of business. Why would you want a bone marrow registry? Why would you go through all of that? And there are certain groups of, of individuals coming from small populations compared to the larger population, and it's almost impossible to find a match. Those individuals, we have a match sitting right now in the laboratory in liquid nitrogen, but you can't, you just can't get to them because there's too much, as you said earlier, too much pressure to stop this. But someday it may turn into the opposite. Again, like the polio, you probably remember when it was accepted. But before it was accepted, there was a tremendous amount of negativity about the vaccine. True. Dr. Rader, we are, we're practically out of time, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and talk about this incredible, incredible uh, treatment. 
And this documentary, The God Cells, boy, the, that title really grabs your attention, The God Cells. Final question, do you think that, again, in your opinion, is this something that God allows for people to get Yes. Uh, and also, know what I'm talking about, know what your doctor is telling you, and then make up your mind. You only, went, you only have half the story. By the way, I, you are an excellent interviewer, in my opinion, because you're quite sophisticated. And, and I don't, you probably don't even notice, but every time you ask me a question, I would consensually validate what you were saying. <laughs> you were right on every time. And it, it's nice to be interviewed by somebody who is intelligent enough to do their research and also have an intelligent uh, de decision-making. And I'm not there, you know, just fighting somebody. So thank you. No, thank you so much. And and I'm quite humbled by, by your kind words. Uh, I really appreciate it. And yeah, our hopes was to have you on this show, hear your, your side of the story and, you know, analyze it a bit. And hopefully this has helped folks get a little bit better understanding of what's going on with your work and what you guys are doing uh, uh, with Stem Cells of America. Why don't you tell people one more time the, the website and the phone number if they want to find more info because, you know, obviously this all sounds really incredible. Uh, the website is Stem Cell of America, not cells, not plural, okay. Stem Cell of America dot com. The telephone number is area code 310-455-5500. Thank you so much, Dr. Rader. We, we, Thank will, you. we will continue wishing you the best of luck with this, and, and hopefully people continue to get better, uh, the, the ones that, that go and try this uh, treatment. Thank you so much. Well, I hope so, too. Thanks for your time. That was Dr. Rader of uh, Stem Cell of America, not mm -hmm. plural. Check him out. Check out the website. I mean, this stuff is some pretty, pretty heavy stuff, to say the least. And I was reading some of the reviews on the documentary, and it's it's quite a polarizing topic, as you can see by some of the reviews. Uh, you got people who are, are really, you know, into it, and, and they see the possibilities, and you have people on the other side of the fence. And we try to uh, give you, I guess, another piece of the puzzle in this whole thing that hopefully will help people make up their minds on, on which side of the fence it is. But as I was saying, it, throughout history, yeah, there are things, procedures, uh, medications even, that are rejected at first. They're shunned. And it's only after some time has passed that people come around and, and let give these things a chance, really, to see what they can do. And something like this that seems to have a very, very positive effect is definitely something that should be researched. Now, something that I read earlier, because obviously I think the big ethical issue here is that they're using uh, fetuses. Mm -hmm. I know what we talked about off air was that, you know, if there was a way to take that controversial part out of this mm -hmm. whole process, it might be yeah. easier for people to come to terms with it. And one of the things that I was reading is that, um, you know, there's a procedure out called IVF, right? In vitro fertilization. And I was reading, I didn't know this. I, I was reading that when, uh, you know, someone goes through this procedure, they generate a large number of unused embryos. And I think the number, and they give an example of Australia alone, is 70,000. Wow. 70,000 unused wow. embryos That's are produced incredible. for in vitro fertilization. So Many of these thousands, the, yeah. 
of IVF embryos are slated for destruction because they are not going to use them, right? Because so, only one of them is going to be like uh, uh, the one in the end. Yeah. So, uh, so the argument is that, you know, you can use these for scientific research and, you know, don't let them go to waste. Mm -hmm. So I think that man has advanced enough that I'm sure that there are going to be more and more alternatives to how they, they gather these cells. And hopefully, mm -hmm. like I said, it looks like it's a great treatment. Knock on wood, you know, I, I don't have anyone close to me that would require this. But watching the documentary, that was the thing that if it was your son, your brother or you know your your wife or whatever it's, it would change kind of the way you see this and what it could possibly do and i definitely urge people to check it out like i said make up your own mind definitely watch it the god cells i believe it's available now you can order the dvd mm -hmm. uh, i believe i think you can watch it on demand as well and i i believe that it's playing along certain uh, theaters up and down the east and west coast of the United States. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what reception this is going to have after a few more months have passed. And I think the initial shock of watching it needs to wear off so that I guess we can digest it with a clear head. So those are my thoughts to that. That being said, man, if you miss any part of this interview, you definitely want to catch the uh, podcasted version of it. Definitely check it out. And like I said, check out the documentary, The God Cells. As I said, when Dr. Rader was on the line, the, the, the title itself kind of grabs your attention. And like I said, the reviews are, are mixed. I think that it's an important documentary that raises a, a very important issue and hopefully leads to some healthy debate and some further exploration into the possibilities of this treatment. If it's helping people, uh, like Dr. Rader has says, I believe that it should be an avenue that science should pursue. And from what I read earlier, there are a few studies out there going on. And uh, mm -hmm. there's people that are pushing for more research into this. So, you know, fingers crossed, we, we learn more, we find out more. And, and, you know, this is something that can help. A lot of people, let's hope that uh, it gets to the hands of those people. Oh. That being said, uh, we're going to take off a bit earlier, but I'm going to leave you with an amazing track. I know uh, our good buddy, Tony Merla, shout out to Tony, who uh, completed a trek to visit every state in the U.S. I am, again, flabbergasted. <laughs> is, that, is that the word for the night? flabbergasted uh <laughs> shout out to our, our good friend tony he sent us a, a lovely little piece of art from alaska which i believe that was his last state and uh i'm actually gonna dedicate this this song to our good pal tony merlo this is porcupine tree because uh, i know he's a big fan and i'm a big fan and i love this particular song this is arriving somewhere but not here this has been west of the rockies as always i'm engineer frank on twitter west of the rockies on facebook Follow the show on Twitter at WTR Radio. Check out the website, WTRRadio.com. Our last interview, which is, you know, it's getting a lot of plays. It's, it's the interview we did with Adam Parfrey. And we mm -hmm. talked about Jack Parsons. And boy, boy, we, we went in deep on that one. So I definitely, if that's something that you're into, check it out. Genevieve, thank you for being here tonight. Genevieve, you thank weigh on you. Twitter. And uh, we're going to let the folks go to sleep with this amazing track by Porcupine Tree. Enjoy, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.